All right, favorite beverages. That's the mixer question. Uh, you guys finish up. I'm going to start talking while you're finishing up in your groups. Uh, one of the, my favorite drinks, especially if I've been on a hike and it's been hot or I've played soccer and it's been hot, it's just one of those hot days. We haven't had those yet. We're getting there. Um, I love a ice-cold Coca-Cola. I don't drink much soda, but man, yes, it's got to be a Coke. Sorry, Pepsi people. The Mexican Coke is the best. It's true. If I can get one of those, sometimes we've, had, we've played soccer here. We've gone over to the taco place and had a real Coke. Man, nothing like it. Now, what percent of a Coke is water? Anybody know? 90%. 90%. All right, you got the answers there, don't you? All right, 90%. 90%. What's the other percent? Sugar, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sugar in Coke. Uh, that's what makes it so tasty. Um, and then, what percent of me is water? Got 70, I got 70, what else we got? 90, we got 90, 80, 80, 74, 74, 70, 70, 82. Anybody else? Come on, Richard, what's the answer? Huh? 83, 60%. 60%, yeah. Yeah, this is according to uh, Bill Bryson's book called The Body, which is a really interesting book. So 60%. Now, if you're a baby, any babies here? Yeah, they're a little bit more water, percentage-wise. Yeah, that's why they're so heavy. All right, so I need, uh, hey, Tyler, would you come up here? Tyler and Sophia, would you come up here real quick? Um, I just need help. You too, Sophia, that'd be great. It's going to take two of you, trust me. Yeah. Oh, no, Sophia. You want to come up real quick? Help me? Um, awesome. Yeah, I was looking at Zoe saying Sophia. All right, uh, you guys, if you could help me get this water, put it on the middle of the table, that would be fantastic. All right, now I weigh about 170 pounds. Oh, oh. Oh, he did it by himself. Man, high five it. Dang. Thanks, Sophia. I thought it would take like three of you. That's impressive. He's been drinking milk. That's his favorite drink. Good job. All right, thanks. You guys can sit down. All right. So I weigh about 175 pounds. How many gallons of water do I contain? All right, no. What do you think? All right, I gave you some clues. 60% water. I weigh 175 pounds. 60% of 175 pounds is? Where's Jonathan? 105. All right. Got a little help with the, with the phone there. Thank you. 105 pounds of me is water. Uh, how, many, how many pounds does a gallon weigh? 8.34. 8.34, just to be precise. Somebody said eight, right? Did somebody say eight? Okay, that's pretty dang close. All right. So I got five gallons here. That's a, uh, what did I say, five times eight? It's a 40-plus uh, pound thing there. Nice job, Tyler. All right, so I, 105 pounds divided by 8.34 pounds is 12.5 gallons. That's me. 12.5 gallons of water standing before you. Fortunately, I'm, all, I'm holding together so far. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of water, 12.5 gallons. So water is important.
right? Very important. Very important to you, to me, for life. And, if, and you're losing water all the time. If you sat there the rest of the day just by breathing and just your heart beating, you would lose a quart and a half of water. You'd expel it. I won't tell you how. There's a variety of ways. But you would get rid of 1.5 quarts a day. Now, if you're moving around, if you're exerting yourself, if you're hiking, you're playing soccer, something like that, you can exert, you can uh, shed about 1.5 quarts per hour. Per hour, right? Whew. I better slow down. Good water. That's actually probably my, my go-to drink. Uh, when you get as low as one gallon, if you get a gallon low, all right, out of 12.5 gallons, whatever your gallons are, you'll start to get what? Headaches. Yeah, you start to get headaches, right? You feel that before? You're a little bit fatigued. A little bit fatigued. If you uh, get a, a 1.5 gallons down, your thinking becomes unclear. And this is where hikers, they can wander off and get lost. You're, you're down a gallon and a half, uh, you can get in trouble. You lose more than two and a half gallons, and you go into shock and you die. Water is important to function well, to feel good, to stay hydrated. You need to stay hydrated. Water is important. And God who created this miraculous, it's a stunning thing. Water stunning. God who created it, it, it appears repeatedly in his word. Water, water, water. It's all over the place if you do a search. In the ESV, the water, water, the word water appears 692 times. That's the ESV translation. 692 times in the Bible. That's a lot. How many times does the word life appear in the Bible? More or less? Less, less. Weird, right? Okay, so water's important. Life is even less than that. Love, what about love? How many times do you think more or less than than water. It's actually more. Yeah, it's more. Okay. All right. And that's not including, 692 times, it's not including things like springs and rivers and those types of watery words or, or rain. Here's an example. Let's look at some examples. We're going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to look at some examples of God's use of the word water there. Think And use your imagination here. The, a lot of these are images, a lot of imagery words here. Psalm 1, man, a classic, a go-to. This is a, a beautiful psalm, song, poem. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. It's true. Or stand in the way of sinners or take seat in the company of mockers, but instead whose delight is in the law of the Lord, in, in God's word. And who meditates on his law, his word, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Can you picture this tree? And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Is he talking about trees here? He's talking about people. He's got this picture for us, this fruitful tree by streams of water. Not so the wicked. There's a contrast here. They are like chaff, straw, husks of grain that the wind blows away. All right, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? You want to be chaff? You want to be this tree, vibrant, alive, bearing fruit, whose leaves never wither. Give me some of that. I want to be, I want to be that kind of person. Some more water in God's word. Go down to Psalm 23. This one's not in the bulletin. It's up here, though. 
the Lord is my shepherd. He's looking over me. He's, he's taking care of me. He's guiding me. And I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? Rain-filled, rain uh, watered pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And we'll see another place in the, in the Old Testament where God was leading his people out of Egypt to the promised land. And first they had to cross what? The wilderness, which is actually a desert. If you look at a satellite image of the Sinai Peninsula, it is very tan. You look at snapshots, it looks like Mars. Dry. No water. Very little water. You have to, you have to know where you're looking to get some water. So how did he provide? How did God provide for all these people? He led out of Egypt to the Promised Land. Anybody remember? Yeah. Water out of rock. Nothing is possible with God. He brings water out of the rock. Psalm 105, 41. He opened the rock and water gushed out. So in this, this dry and weary land, out of a rock, God brought water. Water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. Many more prophets, uh, many more examples. Um, and then we get to the prophets. The prophets are often talking about time, a time ahead. God speaks to them, gives them images and visions about a time that was coming, still future to them, past to us, but still coming, still future to them, about a time when um, God would make things right. God would bring his kingdom. God would bring forgiveness. God would bring new life. And one of the uh, key words that helps us know that he's talking about this age to come is, is this phrase, in that day, or in the later days, or at that time. So we, we hear water spoken of there as well, but all of a sudden it starts to take on more of a uh, beyond the physical description. More than H2O. Listen to some of these, all right? Isaiah 12.3, a lot of them there. God talking to us through here. Listen to Isaiah 12.3. With joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. All right, we got this connection between water and salvation all of a sudden. Being saved. In that day, next one, Isaiah 35.5. This one's not in the bulletins up here. He will open the eyes of the blind in that day and unplug the ears of the deaf. They will hear. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. In that day, Isaiah 44.3, I will pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. All right, all of a sudden, water here is what? God's spirit, his presence, his blessing. Looking ahead to that day, God gives this invitation to us, to you, me, to all people. Come, all who are thirsty. Come, an invitation, come to the waters. Come and drink. And then we get to Jeremiah, word of correction in this one. Jeremiah 2.13, my people have committed two sins. Listen, they've forsaken me, the spring of living water. They've turned away from me. And number two, they've dug their own cisterns. 
these water containers, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They've created, they've pursued other sources of water, of life, of salvation. That's actually, though, and maybe some of you can relate to this, that's actually when a person has a chance. If you've been trying to drink out of broken cisterns, if you've been looking for life in wells that aren't springs of living water, what happens after a while? They don't quench. They don't, they don't fill your thirst anymore. And so you go looking for another one, and that fills you for a little bit, but it doesn't leave you alive. It, it brings you actually closer to death. You're becoming more like that withered branch, that chaff. And in that moment, that's the opportunity where God calls. He says, come, you who are thirsty, and drink. Drink living water. He calls you to himself. He calls you to come and be filled with real life. God keeps, bringing the, keeps speaking these promises of his living water, his Holy Spirit, these wells of salvation. He talks about it in Ezekiel. A couple great images here. Ezekiel 47. In this vision that God gave him, he saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple. So you can picture the temple, water bubbling up under the threshold of the temple, coming out and flowing down through the land. The temple's on a, a mount. It's, it's up high, flowing down on the land, a deep river of water. And then verse 9, where the river flows, this, this river, this water flows, everything will live comes to life. And then listen to uh, Ezekiel 47, 12. This water, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river, the river he's talking about. Their leaves will not wither. Does that sound familiar? Nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary, that temple, flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Trees planted by the river of life. God's spirit flowing from the temple. The temple is the presence of God. That's the, the place on earth where God's presence was. Water flowing from God's presence. Giving life to these trees that are bearing fruit and whose leaves never wither and whose leaves are for healing. Is he talking about trees there? Some as people. Some as people. Those who are blessed. Those who have rooted themselves near the river of life and are drinking it in, taking it in, living on it. He wants to make you and me, brothers and sisters, trees whose leaves do not wither whose leaves are for healing. He wants to work through you. He wants to bring his life and healing through you in your life and beyond your life. And to do that, it's necessary that you're rooted by the living water, these wells of salvation. So those were the promises. That's what they were expecting, these images. There's anticipation. And then the day came. The day 
came. The word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God himself came down, referred to himself as the temple, as the place where heaven and earth meet. Jesus, the son of God, came down, God with us. And as Jesus went around talking to the people, opening the eyes of the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, opening the mouths of those who could not speak to celebrate and praise God, as he was saying to those who couldn't walk, get up, and they got up, he was also revealing stuff about himself. He was making these claims. He was helping people attach the images from the prophets to himself. There's like seven I am statements in John. I am, anybody? Give me one. I'm the bread of life. It's a good one, right? I am food. I am spiritual food for your soul. I'm the bread of life. What else? I am the good shepherd. I'm the one that looks after you. I'm not a hired hand. I'm the one who loves you and lays down his life for you to guide you in life, to protect you, to show you the good way, to lead you to good water. What else? I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. He brings truth and light and revelation. There's another one. I am the way, the way to go. You want life? I'm the way. You want to get connected to God again? I am the way. I am the truth. You want to know what's true? You want to know what really is? Come to me. I'm the truth, and I am the life. I'm the life you seek. I'm the life that you're thirsty for. Elsewhere, I'm the resurrection. I am the true vine. Today, we're going to look at this, this one. He doesn't say it directly, but see what Jesus reveals himself as in this. We, we see uh, Jesus reveal himself a couple ways, uh, as this way, a couple ways. It, to the woman at Samaria, uh, the Samaritan woman, and at the Festival of Tabernacles. And we're going to look at the Samaritan woman first. We did this a few weeks back, so I'm just going to do it quickly. But this is John 4. Jesus was at the well. They, they passed through Samaria. He was at a well. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the woman said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Uh, we don't talk to each other. Uh, there's all these barriers and stuff. What are you doing? And so Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, what happens? You get thirsty again, right? But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. There's a different kind of water Jesus is talking about. The water I give them will become in them a spring of living water welling up. A spring, living water, welling up to eternal life, bringing eternal life. Yes, Jesus, give me that water. I want that water. What's Jesus saying? I am the living water. I am the source of living water. What's this water? What did he say early in the prophets? The Spirit of God, the presence of God that wells up to eternal life. He wants to give you this. So he starts there. We see him talking and associate himself with this living water. Later, Jesus goes to Jerusalem for one of the big three festivals. 
This one's in September, October. It's called the Festival of Tabernacles. All right, John 7 says, Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. So he goes there. He's teaching. There's a bunch of people there. There's crowds there. And this is a festival during which time they are celebrating and thanking God for the harvest, for his provision. And they also, they build these tabernacles, these little temporary shelters. Why might they do that? What, what would that kind of remind them of? Yeah, the time where God was leading them through the desert. They had these temporary shelters. Okay, so as a way to, to remember, hey, God took us through that. God provided for us in the desert when there was nothing. If he didn't provide, we would have died. God provided for us there, including water. And during this seven-day festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, Festival of Tabernacles, a crowd of people each day, led by the high priest, would go from the temple. they go down to the pool. You can see these places that we're talking about. But he led this procession down to the pool of Siloam. Uh, it was built by Hezekiah, fed by springs. The, the, the springs are still feeding it today, 2,000 years later. All right? And they'd get, scoop up some water, and they'd bring it back to the temple. And then they'd sing some songs. People would be gathering. It was kind of this high moment. And they'd pour out the water at the temple. And it would flow down. Thank you for the water you've provided, God. God, our rock. Thank you. And bring that living water that you've promised, that vision of Ezekiel, that, that spring of living water, your presence, your spirit, your wells of salvation. Bring it. We're anticipating it. Okay, so they've been doing this since the prophets. They've been doing this for hundreds of years. Going back to uh, Leviticus, when he first had this, this uh, they were first told to practice this festival. So they've been doing this for a long time at the temple, and um, then the day came. Then the day came. Jesus himself, God, the living temple, comes to the temple. He's there. And it's probably at the moment of this water being poured out. Can you picture it? And listen to what Jesus says. Verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. The picture of the water is being poured out. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, Jesus is saying. Come, whoever believes in me, believes in me enough to turn to me and to come to me, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Water's poured out on the temple pavement while this is going on. And John adds an explanation in case anyone missed it. Verse 39, by this, he, Jesus, meant the Spirit. Meant the Spirit. Whom those who Jesus believed whom those who believed in Jesus were later to receive. Up, that, up to that time, up to that moment, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus is saying, if you're thirsty, what? Come to me. I'm the source of living water. I'm the thing that you thirst for. I'm the thing that you've been looking for. I'm the life you seek, the life you need. You need me like you need water. 
Otherwise, you'll die. Pour this water into his people. What had to happen first? The death and resurrection. Jesus had to cleanse the temple. Before he fills with his Holy Spirit, he has to cleanse you and me. Before that water can spring up, that living water, God's Spirit can well up in you and take root and flow in you. You need to be cleansed. So Jesus provided the sacrifice on the cross on that Good Friday to pay the penalty for your sins, to move that sin problem out of the way so that you could be in God's presence. That cleansing, you've got to receive that. And you'll have an opportunity today. Receive that cleansing and be filled with God's spirit, his presence, his life. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you've ever seen somebody get touched and filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe the first time or subsequent times, what happens physically? Sometimes, not every time, but what's some, has to do with water. They cry. They're overflowing with the water of God, the living water, the spirit of God. When he wells up, that's a common physical response. Jesus is saying, back then, Jesus is saying today, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come and drink. Come drink from the river of life, the giver of life, the well of salvation. Come, all who are thirsty, and drink. Maybe you've never tasted that water before. It sounds abstract. What do you do? Number one, if you don't want it, that's, you know. But if you do want it, if you want it, then here's the opportunity for you. If Jesus is calling you this morning for the first time to come, and you're hearing it, and you're wanting that, or the first time in a long time. You've been dry, man. You've been dry. Maybe you've been dry because you have been busy pursuing life at other wells. You're tired of that when you go to the next one. Tired of that one. Maybe you're coming back. Maybe that's you this morning. If you want this life, this life in you, if you want this cleansing, if you need this cleansing, if you want that spirit to flow in you again or for the first time, if you want to cross over from death to life, if you want to move from being chaff to being a tree planted by living water, if you want to bear fruit that lasts, if you want to be born again, pray this with me. Here's the prayer. Here's a way to do this. Three steps. We've done this before, and you can, you can seal this when the prayer team comes up in a little bit. And maybe just, you know, if you're here, you're already in Christ, but you've been dry. Say this with me as well. Just say this in your heart. Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to pay the punishment that I deserve for my sins. 
I believe that you are the sinless Son of God. You rose from the dead. You're with us now. I hear you calling me. That's what it looks like to believe and then to repent, to turn away from those old cisterns, those old dead wells. To do that, you repent. You say, God, you know all my sins. You know them. I have sinned against you. And I need your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I'm sorry for my sins. And then this is important. I turn away from them now. You got to make a choice. I turn away from them now and I turn to you, the spring of living water. I want to live according to your ways. And now invite him into your heart. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart to be my Lord. Lead me and help me be the person that you created me to be. That's a start. That's a start. If you prayed that, you have questions, you want to know more, talk to the prayer team during this last set. But first, if you're already in Christ, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I know some of your stories, you know my story a little bit. Thank you, God, for bringing me, calling me to the spring of living water, for cleansing me, giving me new life. If that's you, you're in Christ already, and you want more. Bro, there is more. There is more for you. It's a river of living water. It's not a trip, a drip. It's not a trickle. It's a river that you have access to now. If you want more of his life, his fruitfulness, if you want to see more of his good fruit, the good things of God in your life, and to go out through your life to others, to those you love, to those even you don't like. God has that for you. There's a solution. There's a solution for this. Maybe you haven't been very fruitful lately. Here's the situation if you've been born again, if you are in Christ. God's spirit is in you. You're united to him. You're seated with him in the, in the, with him in the heavenlies. You have a new spirit. He's your Lord. If that's you... That's awesome. That's your new nature. You are a new creation. You have been born again. You are a son or daughter of God. That's your identity. And nothing and nobody can take that away from you. And you still have, until we get to God, until we get to heaven, you still have that old sin nature referred to as the flesh. All right, that old part of you that you lived in, you, grew, you were born in, you lived in for a long time, maybe a short time for some of you, hopefully. Uh, that would be great. Um, 
But this flesh this is attract, it's a part of you that's attracted to sin, that keeps wanting to go back to those old wells, those old dead wells. It's a part of you that listens to and believes lies, deception, what is false, false messages about yourself, false messages about others. It's that part of you that believes it, believes that stuff. This is a part of you, the flesh, that reacts in anger, irritation, impatience, rudeness. This is a selfish part of you that puts you first over and above God and others. It's a part of you that gets jealous and envious, bitter and irate. The flesh, that sin nature, is the part of you that eats too much, that indulges, that drinks too much, that's lazy. That's the flesh. It's the old part. You will, you will shed it one day. But right now we're in a battle, brothers and sisters. We're in the age of tension. The spirit has come. You're a new creation and you have the flesh. Galatians 5.17 says it best. The flesh, that sin nature, desires what is contrary to the Spirit of God in you. And the Spirit of God that is in you, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other. Yeah, there's a little civil war going on in you. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Is that real for you? Okay, yes, yes. And the Holy Spirit in you, wants to grow you and lead you into good, life-giving things. Wants to bear good fruit in you. 522, the fruit of the Spirit wants to, wants to grow this in you. Love. Wants to make you more loving. That sounds good. More joy. Love. Joy. Peace. When things are crazy and the world is insane, it, you can be at peace if you're rooted in this living water. The Spirit of God will, will bear peace in you. Patience. You may need patience. It's the fruit of the Spirit. God, help me. Come, Holy Spirit. I'm impatient. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me. Help me. Bear that good fruit of patience in me. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit of God is trying to grow in you, multiply in you. The flesh is going the other way. So, here's a target for us. Galatians 5.16. Walk by the Spirit. This is what we need to do. Every day, day by day, moment by moment, be conscious of and try to walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not just deny yourself, it's take hold of the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit of God. Let Him rule you and guide you. Let Him well up. Call on Him. This is what I've had to do. Well, I'll get, get into the how here. How do we do this? How do we do this? How do we walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit? Uh, how does the Spirit win more and more in us? 524 of Galatians, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, that's a visual term, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's that initial repentance. That's the picture of baptism. I have crucified the flesh, the sin nature. I've said no to that. I want that dead and gone. I don't want to go there anymore. 
It's not about sin management. It's about sin killing. Kill that sin because it leads to death. Turn away from it. All right, how do we do that more and more? That's timely. How do we do that more and more? We repent. Your first fill-in, first of three things. Number one, cut off the old waters. Cut it off. Cut off that stuff that feeds your flesh. Cut it off. Cut off the sword. Turn away. Tell people around you, I cannot go there. Do not let me go there. It is death for me. Cut off the old waters, old attitudes, bad relationships. Don't feed the flesh. When anger arises, when you're feeling that tension, when you're feeling that irritability, when you're feeling that the flesh kick up, call on God. That's number two. Go to the living water. Go to him in that moment. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me. Flow in me. That's how you beat the flesh. You starve it, and then you drink the living water. Be mindful of God's presence. Pray, talk to Jesus, the source of living water, the giver of life. Come, Lord Jesus, help me. Do it quickly. The quicker you learn to do it, don't give the flesh an inch, man. You get better at this. Cut off the old waters. Go to the living water. Number three, just be led by the Holy Spirit. That means let him lead you. Obey him. When he prompts you to do something, do it. Don't delay. Don't give the flesh a second. Don't entertain the flesh. You know where it leads. It leads you to let, to death. That's why you turn to him in the first place, why you turn to God in the first place. Don't go back. This is how we do it. Let's take hold of this. We're going to do it by taking communion. Maybe you're coming back to Jesus. Maybe you're coming to him for the first time. Maybe you just need to resolve, yes, I want to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Let's do that in communion. If you need um, some supplies, just raise your hand, and we'll get them to you there. This is what Jesus said when he was with his disciples. While they were eating together, before Jesus went to the cross to pay the sin that cleanses us from our sins, to pay the price that cleanses us from our sins. While he was eating with them, Jesus took bread. Took it. He gave thanks for it. And he broke it in their presence. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. Let's take and receive the sacrifice that Jesus laid down for us. Receive it for yourself for the cleansing of sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving your body for us, Lord, laying down your life for us. To take the punishment for our sins, to free us from condemnation, to release us from that punishment. We thank you, Lord.
And then he took a cup. He gave thanks for it. And he offered it to all of them. And he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. Symbolizes my blood. The blood of my covenant. The new covenant. My commitment. Unbreakable commitment that I make to you. Is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive it. The band's going to come on up. Why don't you stand with me when you're ready? We thank you, Jesus, for your loving sacrifice that frees us from sin so that you can fill us now. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, river of living water, we ask you to flow in us, well up in us. Say it with me, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us anew. Come, Holy Spirit. And one way that Jesus does this, he fills us, happened to me several times is he asks us, he prompts us to come receive prayer from others. So I invite you to come receive prayer. Receive a new filling. You do it there while you sing, you can come up and get prayer for it as well. Thank you, Jesus. Come whenever you're ready. Come, Holy Spirit. Flow, living God. Flow, river, flow. Bring your life. Thank you, Jesus.